0: I told them that no matter what they did in the second half, that I'd still love them. And that their mothers would still love them. But I wasn't too sure about their 10% agents, amphetamine dealers, mistresses on the side, the mob, illegal bookmakers, fickle wives, club groupies, hangers-on, high-priced call girls, and club sponsors. This has been a profound coaching moment by the Four Diego's.
1: This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Coming up is a wrap of all things happening in world football, but first, it's not often that the Diegos get to speak to an Australian footballer who has starred in both the old NSL and now in the A League. But today we get to do so. Please, a big four Diego's World Football Weekly welcome to Melbourne Heart star goalkeeper Clint Bolton. Clint, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Afternoon,
1: guys. Yeah, good afternoon. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez. We've got Warren Diego and Carlos Alberto Diego. Now, you've played over 300 games in the old NSL starting way back, showing your age a little bit maybe, in 1993 with the Brisbane Strikers. And you're still going strong. You're looking in fantastic shape in in, in 2011 with Melbourne Hutt. Unlike us, you know, the Diegos, you don't look your age. You're, what, 36? (laughs) Um, we certainly we're much younger, but we look older. You must uh, be happy with the way the body's still holding up. You know, how many years have you got before um, you decide to maybe toss it in?
3: Uh, that's that's a, a good question. A question I get asked pretty regularly these days. But uh, honestly, it's a case of each season uh, comes to the end, and I just reevaluate see where, my, where my body's at. Um, this previous off season, I went through a couple of or oh, one one operation, but a couple of big injuries. So it's the first time I've really been tested with my body. So I barely scraped through that, um, but I'm in a good place at the moment. So yeah, just each year I reevaluate, tick the box physically and then mentally just make sure I'm still being challenged and motivated to, to keep going.
0: Clint, it's Carlos. Now, the secret to the Diego success is a uh, fat man's Tai Chi and a little bit of strobe-like meditation. Now, we hear hear oh,
3: yours. I can see where this is going.
0: <laughs> we can we can hear well. We hear that yours is uh, trying to be trying to maintain your suppleness by you know engaging a bit of yoga. Now, we like to salute the sun too at different times. But uh, how did you get into that? And and we hear you swear by it. So tell us about the benefits.
3: Uh yeah, yoga's. I've been doing it for two and a half years and it's it's probably significant that you bring it up because my man, Tony Popovich, who had great success today with Crystal mm. Palace, he was the man that put me onto it and if anyone that knows Popper, um, you listen. When it, whenever he speaks, you listen and uh, he swore by yoga and you, saw, you see this big guy, he's tough, he's old school and he's talking about yoga and you sort of, your ears prick up and you go, okay, there must be something in this. Anyway... Took it up, and I haven't looked back, to be honest. Um, it's the physical benefits. Like you said, I'm staying flexible. And at the end, you get a nice little nap for about five, ten minutes, and just all your, all your dramas and worries just sort of disappear. So, you know, I swear by it. And, you know, I'm a single man also. And as you know, the the classrooms are full of lovely ladies as well. So. Ah, now so, we've there's got many benefits, many, ben- yes. many benefits.
2: Now, Clint, looking at your playing career, we noticed that you spent – time at Aston Villa in your youth career from 87 to 91 I'm Mm -hmm. just wondering that temptation you're over there you're learning the opportunities that may not have existed necessarily in the Premier League but the lower divisions was it ever a temptation to try and ply your career over there or was the lure of coming back home too strong
3: right I hate to kill your moment but (laughs) Aston Villa uh, there was a little team in Bundaberg called Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it always gets everyone, don't worry. You're not the first one. But
0: Well, that's, um, that's someone from our research department who's going to get sacked after that one. And you were uh, you it was from, I think, 87 to 94. So you would have been 12 years
3: old at that stage. Like, that's right, mate. Um, <laughs> and, uh, a, an old expat was out in Bundaberg and his favourite team was Villa and he created the club and that's where I played my... Junior football, but it so, stumps everyone that one.
2: So, I? so the question then lies in the fact that have you ever been tempted to go overseas at all, based on the fact that you've played a really long and distinguished ki- career in the old NSL and the A League?
3: Yeah, the temptation's always been there. It's uh, it's been harder. Look, no excuses, but it's been harder for me to go over because I'm, you know, I'm I'm an Aussie. Simple as that. I didn't have that European background for starters. Goalkeeper. Um, and to be honest, uh, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind. It was just something in the back of my mind that I, I felt like I should do more than wanted to do. I just you know, I love my lifestyle here in Australia, and I've always been motivi- motivated by by the national league, playing for the various teams I played for. So if I went over went overseas, it would have been money driven more than anything. And I'm just not that type of type of person. So you know. Those factors sort of are the reasons why I didn't really pursue it as, as hard as I could. I had a two weeks stint at Man City, which was a fantastic experience, but it was a case of it was just I couldn't get a visa to actually play there. But um, that experience opened my eyes to what was possible over there, and uh, to be honest, I had that bug for it once I went there. But it was probably later in my career, and it was just a bit too bit too late in my career to be honest.
2: And as such, have you managed to be pretty much a full-time footballer through the duration of your career, through the NSL and into the A-League? I mean, I suppose in terms of forging out a career for yourself and a a lifestyle and an income, have you been able to do that in making a conscious decision to actually want to be in Australia and play in the NSL and the A-League? Yeah, it took...
3: I played seven years for the strikers, and during that time I worked also, so it was very much part-time, but... When I made the move to Sydney, Sydney Olympic, that's when it became uh, more a full-time prospect. Uh, I was on decent money when I went there, and and have been ever since. But um, you know, obviously, in today's A League, you, you can definitely earn a good living while it lasts, but it certainly doesn't set you up for life after football. So, at the moment, I'm, I'm you know, the days are numbered. So I've I've really had to have a good look at what's beyond beyond the next few years and. Uh, obviously, I'd you know it's easy in hindsight to say you should have done this, you should have done that, but it would have been nice if I had pushed myself a bit harder during those earlier years to possibly get a degree or or something like that. But I'll, I've been that type of person that I've, if I felt if I, if I was going to do the job properly, I had to throw myself totally into it and not be distracted by other things. But definitely now my, my focus is shifting somewhat, so. Um, I guess the lesson is to, to look earlier in your career to, to what's going to happen
1: afterwards. You're doing a sterling job uh, in the media nonetheless anyway, so there's a big, big career for you after playing football. Here on World Football Weekly, we're speaking with Melbourne heart goalkeeper Clint Bolton. Now, let's talk about the A-League a little bit, uh, Clint. Um yep refereeing decisions <laughs> oh, <yeah>. okay, <laughs> against the heart this season have been well documented and we'll yep. put it on the document as well. <laughs> you know, you guys coaches and all the players have dealt with the situation really respectfully. You know, you've been great sportsmen um, and for the Diego's we think that's probably where the problem lies. <laughs> How far are the boys, uh, you know, from mob handling the refs? And uh, we don't condone that, of course. But uh, the nice guy angle just really isn't working at the moment, is it? Because you're getting yeah. some poor decisions. You think we're too nice? Yeah, you're, you're too <laughs> nice. You, you are. You, you, okay. you're, the, you're the gentleman of the of the A League. You know, you've got a great team, by the way. We're we're uh, big fans. But uh, yeah. you know, but those some of those refereeing decisions, you know, we've just wanted to jump through the. You know, yeah. through the gates and through the TVs oh. when we've seen them.
3: Don't worry, I feel exactly the same at the time. Also, but yes. it's just a matter of suppressing those feelings, I guess, because I think I think I learnt the lesson um, during this season and at Sydney uh, at Sydney FC when we won the championship. With Vitislav, his uh, his message was to to avoid the referees and no dissent and that sort of thing. And I think that helped a lot during that season to actually probably get the balance of decisions go our way. And so I took the lesson from that to to approach life differently because before then, you know, I was one of the first ones to, to be all up in arms and and to to run half the field to get no rest of space. <laughs>
1: um
3: but uh, yeah, you know, think about it. If if someone's getting in your face, how are you gonna react, you know? They're human and 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 I just feel like there's a better way to handle things these days. Um obviously there's an issue that's been there, especially highlighted over the last three or four weeks. And I don't know if it's my yoga state of mind now, but I'm just (laughs) always looking for solutions now instead of, instead of just, you know, throwing up arms up in the air and, and, and and waving them around. So uh, I've just, you know, I think we need to engage the referees better with, you know, the clubs opening the doors to, to them and possibly getting down to training, maybe pre season, and just, having some good conversations, getting involved in some training sessions possibly, just looking for solutions to the problem because if, if the situation remains as it is where they're semi-professional, then we've got to help. We we need to help. And in the short term, we're still getting decisions against us, I realise that, but I just don't feel like the answer is to, to get in their face and start trying abuse around. That's just not the way I do it, that's all.
0: I'd like to see you start burning some incense in the goalkeeper's uh, area there. Uh, That'll come down with dogs. Exactly right. Yes, exactly right. One quick one before we let you go, mates. Uh, You were one of the few players that have won multiple premierships uh, and championships in the old NSL and also now the A-League. The good teams, I mean, this is a a quite frequent question for people who played in both leagues, but you played in good teams that won things in the NSL. You played with good teams that won things in the A-League. Any of the NSL teams be quite competitive? The mob these
3: days? No doubt about it. Mm. Um, individually, I, I think back in those days, the the talent was better. Um, the individual skill was high. It was just it was just a semi professional atmosphere we were a part of that was that held those players back to a lot of uh, a large degree. Um, obviously, in this environment now, players are more athletic. They can go for longer. And that probably aids them in in um, well, just overcoming the probably just that little bit of difference in skill compared to those players back then. But there's no doubt that the Sydney Olympic side I was with that won a championship in 2001 would compete. Also, the striker side that won we had plenty of experience, and experience goes a long way when you're talking about championships. And also the Parramatta Power side that I played in, you know, we were all great teams with good individual players that played some really exciting football. So I think we'd definitely challenge.
1: Well, Clint, uh, you know, you're part of a good good squad now and just been a bit unlucky this year, or very unlucky. And uh, we know that the Melbourne Heart, uh, you know, will push for finals football this year and hopefully push pretty high into into the season. We really appreciate, appreciate your time here on World Football Weekly. No, thank you. That was a special soft sombrero moment with Melbourne Heart star goalkeeper Clint Bolton. Next up, it's a global wrap, so stay tuned. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia.
0: You're probably a coach who turned out to be the wrong man in the wrong job for the wrong team at the wrong time. Other than that, have faith. You're a fine selection. This has been a sad coaching moment by The 40 A Goes.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.